Hello and welcome to episode 791 of The Sleeper in the Bus. It is Tuesday, March 10th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Justin Mason. Justin, what's going on? We're recording from the future. Yeah, I just smacked my uh, mic as I did that. Time <laughs> um, so, travel's dangerous. Yeah, we are. We are. Uh, we're recording this on Monday afternoon, but I decided to say the date that it's going to come out. I never remember to do that when I do multiples on a certain day. Uh, so we did it. We, we did it in the future here. So if anything happens after like three o'clock central at the second base position on Monday until you hear this on Tuesday, know that we didn't actually know it. Uh, we just recorded first base. If you listen to the first base one, you knew that we were recording this right after. So we're doing second base preview. We're going to dive right in because we are in a little bit tighter of a time limit for this one. Uh, but let's just go again. Follow along on ADP. Go to the uh, website that I have linked in the chat or the NFBC average draft position. Put in February 29th through March 9th online. Uh, that's the online championships. We use that because they have fab. And so I think it's a, a better better indication of, of draft position now that we have the, the data for it. It's 27 drafts worth of data. And uh, let's dive in. Top tier. Gleyber Torres at uh, pick 30. Ozzy Albies at pick 32. Jonathan Villar at pick 39. Cattell Marte at pick 40, and Jose Altuve uh, also at pick 40. It's like 39 and a half to 40. But uh, those five there, those are the guys that are going the earliest at second base. Let's start with Torres. You got your first share ever. You've never been like a huge fan. He had the massive season last year. We know what he did against Baltimore. Let's acknowledge he's not going to hit Baltimore that well this year. But are you worried that... Like he can't make up that in, that that loss, uh, the regression against Baltimore elsewhere. Like, do you think if if he doesn't hit a fifteen twelve OPS and thirteen homers against Baltimore, that he becomes more of a mediocre player, or does he just pick it up elsewhere for Glaber Torres? How, how many home runs did he have? <laughs> I think I said what did I say thirteen. Yeah, so let's say he hit seven. I like that's I'm I'm okay with that. That's still thirty one home runs. I think there's yeah. still. Uh, a potential, yeah, I still think there's potential for more. I mean, he's going to be in the middle or top of that, like, stacked lineup in New York. Uh, you know, I, I'm one of those people that I'm okay admitting when I was wrong, and I, I was wrong on Torres. Do I think there's going to be some regression? Possibly, uh, but I also... Oh, I mean, he's still 23 years old and just turned 23. So, like, there's also potential for growth. Yeah, no, the age I mean, thing not is not necessarily a ton. It's tired but, like, with him, but like, dude, I mean, he didn't he didn't reach 100 runs or ribbies last year either. He could do that even yeah. while giving back a few homers, and Torres could be insane. Is there any batting average upside? Yeah, I was just about to say he could improve on the batting average. Like, I think he's got a, a better hit tool than like a 275 guy. So. Uh, I think he could potentially be like 285, 290 with like 35 home runs, a handful of stolen bases, and 100, 100. Uh, and I, I got him right at ADP, which was pick 30. So Was that the uh, first second baseman off the board? Uh, yes, he was. Okay, so, so is he is he your number one then? You you agree with that? I do agree with that. I, I've gone back and forth on... I mean, I love Albies. I love VR. I almost mm -hmm. took Albies right there because I, I do love Albies a ton uh, as well. Uh, I mean, and really, I love the upper tier of second base, at least like the top 10 uh, or maybe even top 15 or so. 
So like, I that's the reason I haven't gotten a lot of Sheriff Torres, but uh, I thought I'd start off with the uh, with the New York Yankees stack and, and Cole Torres. There you go. Not not a bad way to go there. Let's talk to let's talk about Albies, who's also going to be twenty three. You know, his age doesn't get uh, thrown around as much as far as a, a positive asset for him. Twenty four. Uh, homers each of the last two years, 14 and 15 stolen bases, respectively. The 261 and 295 really boosted up that average last year. I love Albies. I'm still very much in on him. I don't think we've seen his best season yet. Um, I think there's average upside. I think there's steals upside. He has two 100-plus run seasons last year, uh, last two years, 105, 102. But even that, I think, could push 110 or higher. Uh, because of the team that that they have around him, they had Marcelo Zuna. They've still got you know as long as Freddie Freeman doesn't miss uh, gobs of time. Lots lots to like here. I love Albies, and uh, he's my number two second baseman. I think I would take towards. I ranked Altuve first. I, I might I might be pushing back on that, but mm-hmm. either way, whether it's Altuve. I think Albies is still number two, no matter what. I don't know what I leapfrog Torres. I don't know. I don't know. I, I love Albies. I could put Albies as my number one second baseman, to be quite honest. I just think he's awesome. I have no problem with him at his ADP. I think he's a perfectly fair, uh, fairly priced asset as well. Uh, you almost took him instead of Torres, so I would assume you agree. Anything else you want to add about Albies? I, I feel like people look at him as the boring option, which, which is, is insane funny. to me. Yeah, it's and, and like there's no real room for growth uh, at 23 years old. It just... I think there is still room for growth, especially like in the speed department. Uh, wouldn't surprise me to see him at some point steal 20 plus bags. And if we're talking about a 25, 25 guy with a, you know, 290 batting average in that lineup. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love Albies. I've already have a, a number of shares. And one of the reasons I went to uh, to Torres was because I have so many shares uh, of Albies already. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm all on board. Uh, okay, perfect. So we don't have to go too much deeper on that. Cattell Marte, huge breakout season. Now, I think something that might be being a little bit lost with regards to the breakout season is that it wasn't just isolated to last year. He started to show some signs in 2018 that hinted that that he was better than the guy that we've seen. The one thing that frustrates me about Marte is he, he continues, I think, to leave some stolen bases on the table, so to speak, because his speed is certainly there to do more. He just has it. And uh, and that's that's kind of frustrating, but you know maybe it's a, a preservation thing or just a desire, or maybe it's an Arizona Diamondbacks thing. I don't know, but I know that he's faster than his career high of eleven stolen bases suggests, or even the ten that he had last year when he played six hundred twenty eight plate appearances. That said, if I'm getting thirty ten ninety ninety with a two ninety average, can't really complain. How do you feel about Marte coming off of the career year? Um, what kind of regression are you putting in and, and are you going to this price since there is now a, a tax on him? Uh, you know, when we cover the outfielders, I said that I was very skeptical on Marte and was going to wait until I saw him play uh, in games in spring because of the way he ended the season with the injury last year. Uh, that being said, he's looked healthy so far. And so I think there probably is a little bit of power regression, but I also do agree that I think he could steal more bases and maybe the fact that they went out and got uh, his brother uh, from another mother. Mm-hmm. Um, Starling. In, 
in Starling uh, means maybe they're going to look to push it on the base pass a little bit. And, I mean, they pushed it a fair amount last year. They were 10th in, in Major League Baseball in stolen bases, the Diamondbacks were. So uh, I think he's probably like a 28-15 guy for me. You know, And I'm not going to necessarily project the 15 stolen bases. I'll probably just project eight or nine, and then anything on top of it is gravy. Uh, I think the average uh, probably comes, well, definitely comes down a bit because, I mean, the 342 BABIP and the 329 average seem a little lofty. But I still think he's like a 290 hitter. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think that is pretty great, especially with a second base and outfield eligibility. I, I like him a lot. I've been getting him. I've been getting him a lot in best balls uh, where he can play the infield and the outfield for me. Yeah, the positional flexibility in best ball really gives you some extra avenues there, too. I love Cattell Marte. I've definitely got him ranked highly, and uh, he and Albies are, are my, my two guys. I'd really like to get one of them at the top there, mm-hmm. and even Torres. I, I'm, I'm in on Torres, but those other two add the speed. Albies more so, Marte with the uh, speed potential, and at least, I would think, another 10 stolen bases. Um, let's talk Altuve, then. Um or excuse me, v, VR's first. I, I actually skipped VR when I was talking about Marte. So let's go VR first and then back to uh, Altuve. VR is going to go over from Baltimore to Miami. Talked about it at first base about with Aguilar, about how they're moving the fences into Miami. But it is, it's not Camden. So the 24 homers, feel like you really got to bring those down a bit. Mm-hmm. Now, last time he had a big breakout was 2016. We bought in and it was it was tough. Uh, a lot of missed time, poor defense started costing him time. And then of course, poor performance as well. Still gave you 11 and 23. Wasn't a total waste, but it was not second round, which is where VR was going. Mm-hmm. He's back up there again, but this is after two good years, 18 and 19. So you like VR. I know that for a fact. Um, what are you projecting for him though in Miami with regards to the homers and stolen base? I think he'll continue to run, but are those homers going to be closer to like, 11 12 or something you know that that approaches 20 like how do you feel about vr 29 years old going to miami uh 1535 250 okay uh that, that's gonna play and i think the the 35 is being conservative i mean he's had at least 35 stolen bases in uh, three of the last four years, uh, the one year not happening was that year that you mentioned in 2017 where everybody drafted him super highly, including myself, and he kind of fell off the map. Uh, that was largely due to his defense being so bad that they could not put him in the field. Like, his defense was just atrocious. It was um, and uh, and the, the Brewers were trying to win. You know what Miami's not trying to do? Win. Win. Uh, and he's uh, he's he's already got second base and shortstop eligibility. He is projected to be the leadoff hitter in center field, which means he will gain outfield eligibility very quickly. Uh, I paired him with uh, with Torres in this league. I'm I'm all aboard. And this was my first share, uh, and I'm super glad I got it. Not averse to taking him. I want the other two guys instead, Albies and Marte. Even though Marte, especially doesn't offer the uh, the speed upside and Albies probably doesn't like he could have that big year but you're you're projecting it for VR you're not for for Albies so I can't say mm-hmm. that they're they're similar there um but I'm not I'm not running from VR I did have him down a lot further than this in my rankings 
So I, I think I share a little bit more um, trepidation on the power. He did it 16 of his homers in Fenway or Fenway in Camden. <laughs> I think he's more, you said 15. Mm-hmm. Never mind then. That's fine. That's fine. That's exact. I was going to say 15, 15, 16. I'm thinking Even if like he goes 12, 40. I'll take that's that. Still like, I, like, that's still good. That's still good. I yep. do not need him to get to 20 home runs. Uh, I, I need him to get the stolen bases. Like that's to me the the thing that you're you're obviously you're drafting him for. Uh, and I don't see any reason why the, if they're going to lead him off uh, with his you know three thirty on base percentage or mm-hmm. or probably less than that, uh, why they wouldn't just let him run. It's what he does best. My only concern, I think my ba- my major concern is why I dipped VR so low compared to the market was he's he's. Mostly a bad hitter outside of 16 sure. and then a bit last year. And I worry if that goes south, what happens? And so that was my concern. I probably put him too far down, though. I had him pretty far yeah. down my second base rankings for VR. So I'll move him like, back up a little bit. What if it does go bad? And it, it definitely can. We've seen it before. Like, what are the other options for Miami? It's, it, it would probably mean he would move down the lineup, not necessarily out of it. You're but right. For who? Like that's no, no, my, I, said, like, I said move down, not out. No, no, but uh, and I said for who? Like who's oh, if he going sucks to? Shit, it doesn't. It doesn't matter, dude. If he if he plays like seventeen, you put anybody up there. You put Isan Diaz. You do something un- unconventional with Anderson or Dickerson up there. Um, I know some of you psychopaths out there think Lewis Brinson's going to be worth a lick. You put him up there. You put Miguel Rojas up there. I I guarantee you, if he performs. In the realm of 17, he's moving out of that leadoff spot. Not necessarily out of the lineup, but out of that leadoff spot, guaranteed. There's no, Not even Miami's going to sit there and let him put up a uh, 72 WRC plus in the leadoff spot. Uh, I just, I mean, yeah, no, I, I, I see what you're saying, and I, I don't necessarily disagree in theory. Uh, um. I'm trying to pull up a but that's downside. Again. I mean, we're, we're talking downside stuff here with, with Jonathan VR. I'm not like what you've said, even 12 and 40, 12 and 35, 12, 35 with a two forty-five actually plays pretty well too in the fantasy mm-hmm. market because speed and is so important. He has shown the ability to take a walk in the past. Mm-hmm. So it's you exactly, know, it's not that's like why I liked him so much after 16. That was my, because he had that little 12% walk rate or something yep. like that. 11 that's, and a half. That's what uh, heartened me on VR, and that's why I was like, oh, dude, I'll pay this premium. Um, so I'm not trying to overreact to getting burned because I was with you uh, picking him after 16. I'm just trying to have a little bit tripped. I, I went too far in my 2D rankings, though. I'm going to move him back up when I do another update, uh, final sweep here, uh, probably within a week or so. I'm going to get all the positions out this week and then do another sweep the next week. Uh, VR will move up a little bit. Um, let's talk Altuve. So we know that you know, there's the cloud over Houston. Um, we also know that a lot of the data is pointing to the fact that Altuve didn't really necessarily benefit from it a whole lot, that, you know, he wasn't made from it. But even absent that, let's put the black cloud to the side for a moment. He had 31 homers in 124 games. We love that. Six for 11 on the bases. Is a 30-year-old Altuve done as a base stealer? Or can he get back to 18 level which was 17 or is he somewhere in between like 11 something kind of boring ish but more of like a Cattell Marte then I guess he would be high t- 
high twenties, low thirties homers, eleven stolen bases, and a great batting average. Like, what, where do you where do you go with Altuve at age thirty, coming off of last year with the uh, with everything going on? I think he should be able to get back to being fifteen plus, and with the potential for more. I mean, we're talking about a guy that between two thousand twelve and two thousand seventeen had no fewer than 30 stolen bases mm-hmm. in, in each of those seasons. I mean, the sprint speed is still up there. I'm not I'm not necessarily worried about that. I think this has been a team construct issue where the Astros do not or have not wanted to run under A.J. Hinge. Uh, and maybe the fact that Dusty Baker's coming in a little bit more old school, a little bit more willing to push it on the base pass, uh, I think that's going to be a good thing for him. I think the power is definitely coming down. Uh, the question is, how much are we talking back down to like the 2018 level? Or are we talking in like the 2016-17 level? Uh, I think you know, that. With 20, I think, and I think that too. I think he is like I would probably project 24 home runs and 13 stolen bases. So you win the projections. Hope, yeah, and then hope to God I'm getting more um, so- from the stolen base department. Yeah, you're with the projections on that with regards to Altuve. And I think the shorthand is to kind of look at the homer to fly ball rate with regards to the power. 13, 15% in 16, 17, then dips all the way down to 9.5, 10% in 18, spikes all the way back up to 23% last year. So, you know, those were two outliers. Go back to 16, 17. He had 24 homers each of those two years. I agree with you on that one. The real boon would be if Altuve stole. And, and got back up to like 25 mm-hmm. plus, then all of a sudden he would be a a, a a team maker. I mean, he would like even a pick 40, like that would completely flip your ball club there. So mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe they get, you know, I think Jeff's research suggested that um, Baker doesn't run a ton, but maybe just if they're not hitting as much pop for as much power as a team, maybe they just start to do some different things. Maybe they just focus I don't know, dude. It's so open about what they're going to do in Houston this year with regards to everything. Every, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a scary proposition. I mean, how are you handling their players? Are you are you taking Astros? Are you seeking them out at discounts? Are you avoiding them? Like, what's what's your general philosophy? There is no general philosophy. It's a it's completely case by case basis. That's like that's it's completely e- fair. Each player is completely different for me. I'm. You know, and then some of them I'm fading just because they're coming off of career seasons. You know, guys like Springer, mm-hmm. I'm I'm just kind of fading at his price because I think he, there's natural regression coming. Uh, you know, if you're if you're worried about the speed coming back for Altuve, I think you have to fade him because I think there's national or natural power regression coming. Uh, Bregman, I just there's other guys at the spots where I've uh, had him go where I just prefer. But the pitchers, like, I, I'm not, I mean, outside Verlander's injury. We're getting hurt, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I really am, you know, soaking up a lot of their a lot of their pitching. I, I'm, like, the whole cheating scandal stuff, I really don't worry about that. I think that's going to be more of a post-game annoyance for players. Like, because every time. Oh, yeah, because every time George Springer goes 0 for 4 in a game, he's going to hear about it. Did you think that if you had been cheating, you'd have hit better today? <laughs> exactly. You you know that it's gonna you know that that's gonna be uh, the thing, and I think I think stadiums are gonna be very careful about policing their fans, like for sure. streaming things. 
you know, things may happen early in a game, but th- those those people are going to get tossed. Look, you uh, can razz, but, like, don't take it too far. Yeah. The guy who, like, screamed curveball the other day at Springer and he missed wildly, uh, like, that guy's getting tossed after the first time he does it. That's kind of funny. Um, okay, let's move on from the top tier there and uh, and move into our next one. We've got uh, the core studs. These are really good guys here that you could definitely feel comfortable Taken as your mainstay, we've got Keston Hira, 41 ADP. He's He could have also been in that group there, but he hasn't proven a whole lot yet, so I moved him in down to this second tier. Whit Merrifield, 58. The aforementioned DJ LeMahieu and Max Muncy and Jeff McNeil. We've all talked about that. And Mike Moustakis. Uh, we've talked about all of those guys already, so we'll be very quick on them. I want to focus more on Hira and Merrifield because I don't think Merrifield got a lot of run in the outfield when we discussed it. So, um Lomayhu 70, Muncy 77, McNeil 91, Moustakis 98. Let's start with Hero because he's a big one for folks. Uh, people that are planting their flag are going hard in the paint for Keston Hira. Um, it's hard not to like a lot of what he did last year. I mean, he had 19 homers and stolen nine bases in 348 plate appearances. And it's 84 games, so you know the extrapolators are out there doing their thing. It's like a, it's like a knockoff Avengers. The extrapolators. Making bad fantasy decisions since 1984. The Extrapolators. Um, that's the worst Avengers ever. I'm just saying that's what they are. They are the worst Avengers ever because they they're, they're lazy. You can't do that. I understand the inclination to do it, but you can't. So here's the factors that I, we got to sort out. 402 Babbitt, sky high. 31% strikeout rate, sky high. 7% walk rate. Pretty mediocre. He's always been kind of around there, so I'm not worried about that. But the strikeout rate was way above what he's normally done. Babbitt was actually like he Hira carries high Babbitt. I'm not saying 402 is going to be repeated, but I'm not bringing that down to a league average 300 either. I'm probably keeping it around 340 if I'm being real. Um, but what do you do about the strikeouts, Babbitt, and and what we saw in a half season from Hira and the helium attached to him? Oh, I'm okay with the helium attached to him. Uh, the strikeouts are definitely a bit troublesome, but uh, like you said, majority of his minor league career, he exhibited pretty good uh, ability not not have too much swing and miss in his game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he is a guy that... Like I don't know that we're going to get a whole lot of stolen base upside. I th- I think uh, some people think we're looking at a guy who could be like a 40-20 guy or something like that. Uh, the extrapolators. Think, yeah, call, the extrap- call him out, dude. Yeah, the extrapolators. I don't think the 20 uh, is anywhere near being in the cards. I, th- I think he's prob. I think he's probably a 10. You know, maybe a few 10 to 15 stolen base kind of guy. Okay. But I think the power is legit, and I do love the hit tool. Uh, so I think like we could be looking at a guy who's like 30-10-280. Hey, that's really nice. Yeah. That's really it, nice. It is, and it's it's a good team. So the, the, the counting stats uh, are going to count uh, pretty well. Uh, also, the question is, where does he hit in this lineup? If he strikes out too much... Can they afford to keep him high up in the lineup? Yeah, would they move uh, here and down if 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 it's you know twenty five plus percent? Mm-hmm. So, uh, 
I mean, right now, Ross Resource has him batting fourth. And, you know, I don't know that they can move him down that far, considering the other guys in this lineup. So, if uh, anything, like I the could bottom see, half of the lineup isn't that great. Actually. If anything, I could see him move up. I could see him hitting one, mm-hmm. even with that power. Like, I, I could you see. You need it. to show a little bit more patience at the plate day at one. I think. I mean, I think. I think if he cuts the strikeout rate back to where Hero struck out in the minors, except for AAA last year, mm-hmm. if he's back in that uh, eighteen to twenty percent range. Even if he's only walking seven to eight percent. Yeah. I, I think that could. I'm not saying they're necessarily going to move him, but I think that is a possible move. Like, let's say Smoke and Avi are going off, and they need to be moved up. When Sogard, you know, his magic runs out a little bit, you know, do you just move? Maybe you just move everyone up one. Kane, Yelich, Hira all go to one, two, three instead of two, three, four, uh, and you do it that way. But I could also mm-hmm. see Hero one, Yelich two. If he's only striking you know. out 20% of the time, like less than 23% of the time, uh, I could definitely see it. I just, I don't, I, I don't want to project that because we haven't seen it. Uh, I mean, I guess we. I mean, we saw it in the minors, but it strikes me as a top, as, as a two hitter very well, though, right? Yes, I. I mean, I think Kane, Hira, Yelich would be yeah. a lot of fun. I just do they want to go righty righty, but lefty. Hey, he batted a good bit of fourth last year. Um, yeah. You know, 114 of his plate. He bounced around. He was second. Either way, I think he's. I mean, I I think he's definitely worth the price. Yeah, here's uh, a top think, half guy for sure. Yeah. Okay, so uh, like I said, he's going to be uh, expensive, but there's a lot of reasons to to get in there. I'm not so concerned that the 30% strikeout rate, 31%, is a real thing. So while I want to bring it up and and be mindful of it, especially if we're going to ding Tatis for that with his BABIP, then we have to be. Uh, consistent and do the same thing with here. That's that's why they need to get discussed. Let's talk Whit Merrifield. Like I said, I don't think we gave him a lot of run in the outfield. I don't remember if we did. It was so nondescript that I don't really remember. His his stolen bases plummeted. Dude dropped twenty five bags off of his MLB best forty five in eighteen. Still went sixteen homers, twenty steals with a three hundred two average, seventy four ribbies, and one hundred five runs. Still a damn fine season like that's the crazy part is that he was able to give 25 bags and still be the sixth second baseman last year so are you confidently buying into Merrifield this year confidently no tentatively yes uh I think we'll probably get just a repeat of last year which is fine like that's that's I mean that is really really good um, you know, maybe not as, as many runs scored because, you know, he had 105, but like, I have no problem with like 15, 20, uh, and a 290, 300 batting average. My I concern think... mm-hmm. is that he's an accumulator. He's back to back 700 plus plate appearance seasons. Any injury could put him in some serious doubt or, or moving down the lineup because, yes. you know, it's Matheny and we just don't know. <laughs> does dumb shit well i can't imagine like there's no one else who can no he should he should hold one all year and if he does stay healthy yeah. he will get another 700 plate appearance i'm just okay, saying yeah. that is the risk here with merrifield because you never know with injury right he's gonna be 31 like that's all it's, it's not even something that i'm necessarily saying run for the hills just keep that in mind that 
you do need Merrifield to be playing a lot to make sure that you're still getting these raw counting numbers. That's all. That, that It's not even like a, I, I'm not drafting him because it's, this is my one concern with him. I still have him right behind Hira in my second base rankings. And I do think he's a boring, boring, solid pick. Like nobody oohs and ahs when you take Merrifield, but you should be pretty happy when you roster him. And second base outfield, we love the flexibility. Speaking of, Mayhew, Muncie, McNeil, Mustakis. We've talked about all of them already, including LeMahieu and Muncie. So we're going to actually fully skip them. You, we just yeah, talked we, we about love them all of those guys. Yes. So uh, McNeil yeah. and Mustakis. Anything you want to say? Because it has been a while since we discussed them at different positions. Anything you have uh, on them that you want to add? Anything has changed. I, I yeah, love yeah. both guys. I, I, you know, especially love Mustakis going to Cincinnati. I think it's a great landing spot. Love the multi-position eligibility guys. So yeah. Okay. Cool. So that saves us a little bit of time there because we have discussed those guys. So you can listen to the other positions. Um, and to Justin's point, we like the whole group. So if you if you didn't listen to those other positions and you're like, well, I want to know how they feel. We like them all. I take all four of them in all situations. All right. Here's a little uh, group of interesting worthwhile options. I'm actually going to make it a three pack here. I want to move the other guy down because I want to talk about him separately here. Just three guys. They do different things. Eduardo Escobar, Kevin Biggio, Tommy Edmond. Um, Escobar had the big breakout. We actually discussed him at a different position mm-hmm. as well and uh, talked about how – I think I, I tried to sell you on the fact that even if he regressed, there would st- it would still be plenty valuable. Uh, Kevin Biggio, definitely getting some helium as well. He's up at uh, – Escobar, 121. Biggio, 130. Edmond, 140. Let's skip Escobar. Again, go to third base if you want to hear more deep dive. Biggio, though, I do want to talk about him. His strikeout rate, I believe, is built on passivity, which seems like an easy change. Just swing the damn bat more. Not always, though. But exactly. It's not always as simple as doing that. The player has to be interested in doing that. But that is the real change here. He does not have a swing strike rate anywhere near something that would generate a 29% K rate. Uh, it's only at 9%. So I think a lot of it is basically waiting for walks. Biggio needs to be more aggressive. But if he does and he taps into that, I think he could have a huge season. The the projections do not like him. They've got god-awful batting averages and then like a solid like 20, 13 homer steals. I think there's a lot more upside here. I think the fantasy market agrees with that. Um I'm buying Biggio, and I'm pretty big on him. What do you think about the 25-year-old from Toronto? I like Biggio a lot, uh, but it's not always easy to make that change where you become more aggressive, especially when uh, things have worked for you in the past. So I, I think we'll know pretty early on if if there's going to be if there is a change made. Uh, that being said. I haven't been willing to pay the price that he's gone in a lot of my drafts. I mean, people are really jumping him. And I play with a lot of industry guys, and the industry as a whole is, is really big on uh, Biggio. And so maybe as I play in, in less industry drafts and I'm playing in more in you know the main event, things like that, I'll grab a share. But there is some volatility, and that batting average can really hurt if – if mm-hmm. it doesn't improve. So I'm I'm very skeptical. There's just so many guys at the top part of second base that I really like and a few 
kind of down the line that I like as well. And so typically I'm not getting a lot of Biggio here. I share that, except most of them are multi-eligible, so I can go else. I can still mm -hmm. get them and, and slot them up. elsewhere and get my BGO shares. Because yeah, I do. I think there is some real, real upside here. He does need to make a change, and it's not guaranteed, but there is the potential for a really big season here from Biggio, hitting second behind Bichette and or um, yeah, yeah, behind Bichette and ahead of Guriel Jr. and Guerrero Jr. I really do like that. Uh, so Biggio is my guy for sure. Tommy Edmond, I think we're. Still a little unclear on his exact playing time path. I think at worst, though, and I know we use this a lot for utility guys who should play a lot with the super util, like a Ben Zobris type, but he's also got the switch hitting ability, too. Like it, it, it does kind of fit that is also a mid 20s breakout. It's like there's a lot of Ben Zobris here with, with Edmund. Um, do you buy what he did last year and, and want to want to get shares of him this year as a, as a, you know, speed first guy, but with some some decent pop in a worthwhile lineup. Oh, I've gone back and forth on Edmund. He's one of those guys where I just kind of stare at him on a draft board, <laughs> and I just go, I know those types. I should do this. And like, but then I should, you I should. And you just like, keep I, waiting. And I and I just yeah, I just can't do it. Uh, I mean, the projections don't love him either. Uh, they, they don't they don't I mean they a lot of them ATC and the bat giving them over 130 games played and zips uh, and it's it's not super impressive uh, in, in total numbers. I just don't trust the Cardinals as an organization uh, and what do you mean and they like to mess with people's playing time sometimes you know remember Tommy Pham? Tommy Pham. I you love know, Tommy. How, played, how long have we been on the free role. Tyler O'Neill? Uh, not that long. Tyler O'Neill sucks. I have not been on that track. Dude, that guy, come on. Stop so, it. So, so, Someone on Twitter uh, said that their favorite part of the podcast was uh, when I said, how dare you, sir? Did they say it was their favorite part or their least favorite part? No, their favorite part. Like they said, the best part of the podcast is when I get indignant over, over players that you don't like that I do. Well, so. I'm I'm I I'm really reaching out to my one fan base. There you go. Look, Tyler O'Neill, whatever, dude. I mean, he might have an opportunity this year because they didn't bring back Ozuna. Um, Harrison Bader can't hit righties, so you know there might be something there. But like, I don't know, man. I don't see them as a as a non trustworthy team as far as playing time goes. I think if Edmund is doing his thing, uh, which is high contact. Uh, high speed, like great speed. I mean, he has really premium speed to mm -hmm. back up his 15 for 16 last year. We'll see where the power's at. I'm not really betting. You know, if he did another 11 homers, but over a full season, which he he did it in uh, 349 plate appearances last year. But if he did that over a full season this year, I'd be fine with that if it comes with 25 steals from mm -hmm. Tommy Edmond and a good batting average. So I'm not planning on the power. What I do like though is a speed guy who's not a power zero. You know how I feel about rabbits. Uh, don't even bring up stupid Malik Smith. So love I like that. Malik Smith. I like now that I Edmund, love Tommy Edmond. <laughs> no, no, Edmond's way better because he can actually hit. Oh no, no. you know I don't. You don't know. You know I don't like good players. Yeah, that's true. That's true. No, so I, I don't know. I like him. Like I don't think the market is overcharging. I think it's like a fair price. You're never feeling that you you got away with something if you take him around this one forty one ADP or a little bit earlier, a little bit later. You're just like okay, I. I paid a fair value. Let's see how this goes. So that's kind of where I'm at as a multi-leaguer. 
I have the option of possibly getting a share. I think I will. I think I will end up with at least. I think I already have one actually. I think I got them in Arizona when we did the drafts out there. So I'm not going to go overboard on Edmund, but I do like him a bit. I yeah. I mean, kind of a tepid. I sh- yeah, I should probably like him more than you, especially considering right now he's slated to play every day in in I think left field. Is that well? Yes. I mean, that's yes. where that's where roster resource has him. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but that means he will pick up outfield eligibility in season. So we're yeah, talking about a guy, out. yeah, who's second, third uh, in outfield, which is kind of the best kind of eligibility because you cover in your middle, you cover your corner, and the outfield. Uh, I should get a share. I just don't know where I'm going to feel comfortable, especially considering I think all of my remaining drafts are like either my big money league or it's big money leagues or towers. It's like, you know, main event, solo shot. Why not the main ta- event? I guess. Guy with some well, speed, I, a bit of punch. Brian Walton's in that league. There's no way I'm getting him. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know Walton was in your main. My, my main's no, no, not no. set yet. Oh, not in my main? No, no. Oh, in main. tout. In tout. In tout. He's in tout. Uh, yeah, in my main, in I could. Um, it just kind of depends on where he goes. Like, yeah, I just... I I love Colton Wong, you know. I you know I yeah, I love yeah. and we'll get to Garrett Hampson. I love get, you know. Love, That's okay. Love. There there it is, right there. We can end we can end Edmund's talk right now because Hampson is your Edmund. He's going later. He's he's a little bit more challenged for playing time because if there's a team you can't trust, it's the damn it's the Rockies. Rockies. Yeah. But, but, there it is. That's why you don't have Edmund shares. And frankly, I get it. Right. I've mm-hmm. been with you on the on the Hampson train. I was all over it last year. So I get that. Okay. That that really explains all of it right there uh, because you're just waiting around for your own Edmund in the form of Garrett Hampson, who has second in outfield eligibility and, uh, and plays in Colorado. So that makes sense. That makes sense. All right. Let's jump into the next tier then, uh, which of which Hampson is a part of. And let me get to that list. Uh, it's actually going to be Gavin Lux topping it off at 168, Hampson 174, McMahon 184, Newman 197, Brandon Lau 200, Colton Wong 208, Rudned O. Oh no, I moved actually Odor down to a different tier because of the way the the players types fit here. Michael Chavis, who we just talked about at first base at 250, Nick Madrigal at 261, and Luis Arise at 262. Um, let's start with Gavin Lux. I originally had him in the the tier above there with the other three guys. I don't think he belongs there right now. I mm-hmm. am nervous about Gavin Lux and I am backing away and moving him down the board. Looks like my guy's going to be platooning, which we should have maybe guessed in LA, but I think we just kind of weaving the fantasy community wish casted a little bit here on Lux. And um, again, I'm not paying, you know, a top before this, the price is coming down. It used to be a top 150 pick guaranteed, but I'm not paying that for a a platoon guy who's batting at the bottom of the order. No, thanks. It's the bottom of the order thing. I don't know how much he'll platoon. Uh, exactly. Dodgers? Yeah, no, and, I mean, not only... They have, we, Ross Resource has him platooning with Chris Taylor. They also he'll have def- Fernandez. Like, yeah, I mean, he'll so, you know. definitely catch some platoon. So, like, I love the talent. And that, the too. hard part is, in fantasy, when we love the talent, we tend to want to go with the skills. But... Roles mean something, and a team like the Dodgers, who have a ton of options uh, to go with, you know, d- different kind of makeups, and have shown the the desire to do that in the past. 
is very scary. And the the fact that he could be batting eighth in this lineup, it's uh that that's a bit scary as well. Uh, I'm probably I I've got a share of him in or two in best ball, but that's probably where I'm gonna stop. I just don't know that I'm willing to pay the price on him. Uh, you know, at the main event or or tout. I love the talent. I'm willing to lose on Lux this year. Yeah. Meaning if other people get him and he does break out, I'll say, damn it, I was in early in draft season, and then I got cold feet, and I'm okay. Mm -hmm. Because the downside is he doesn't even start the season in the majors. True Blue LA, the uh, SB Nation Uh... blog, said why Gavin Lux could begin the season, and they wrote a piece on that two days ago. Yeah. And they're not wrong, dude. Look, you just mentioned Enrique Taylor, two guys who could play Matt Beatty. All th- like two of those three could platoon second base. Can Beatty play second base? I mean, insofar as he can, I'm pretty sure he can. I I, I want to say he's gotten some time there. I might you be wrong. No, third base. Third base. Third base. He's yeah. corner. He's corner guy. But anyway, Taylor and Hernandez can handle it. And they're both righties, but they can they can handle it. That's the thing. Do you want to platoon a 22-year-old future star, or do you want to get him every day at bats, even though he'll be just crushing at AAA? And I think, I mean, as much as I don't think he's going to start the year in the minor leagues, the one thing, the one other thing we can talk about in regards to that is with the new or with going back to the 15-day IL the Dodgers may want to carry more pitchers as opposed to moving guys up and down quite as often. So the it's unlikely they're going to enter the season with five bats on the bench. Uh, and if that's the case, then yeah, they, they're going to have to either Beatty goes down and he's their backup third baseman. Uh, well, I guess they can always move Muncie over. Muncie they have flexibility all over. Yeah. But I so, just, I'm nervous on Lux, man. I real, I really am. I I'm just want not to willing be... to pay the price. That's where it comes. That's that's it that's comes down yeah. Now again, it is lowering. Let me actually do something real quick here. Let me just do the last few days. Let's see if it's I like can a tell real you, tanking. Matt Davis in draft cheat took him at 158 in my uh, online championship last night. That's higher than market right now. He's at 169 since the nice. sixth. Very nice. So. uh you know, he is coming down a little bit. Um, I want to say, like I said, he was firmly 141.50 before. And now that this news is coming out and the the platoon news came out first and then the speculation started about, well, what if he doesn't even start the season up? Which I'm not saying he's going to ha- – that's not a guaranteed thing, guys. That That is a speculative idea from a well-respected quality blog, True Blue LA uh, on SB Nation. But it's just it's just that person's idea. Um uh, and, and they outline how it could happen. I don't even think that they necessarily think that it's an automatic. But guess what? With his playing time last year, he didn't exceed his rookie eligibility. They could still do it for the contract manipulation, too. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, if they want to give Jock Peterson more at-bats, they move first Cody base for him back to first or, or, or Peterson back to first base. And then he's getting more full-time playing time with Muncie uh, moving Muncie back second. over. Yep. Yeah, back so, second, so so many things that they can do. What is your comfortable price on on Lux? Not your like dream price, but like what's your comfortable price where you say, ah, ah f it, I'll take the risks. 
Uh, I think it's probably 180-ish. Yeah, I was going to say 195, so I'm like around behind you. Yeah. Uh, it's just hard because there are there there's you know we're gonna talk about more of these guys yeah uh, at second base but Lau McMahon Colton Wong Hampson Odor like these are Chavez we talked about in the last episode these are all guys I like and mm-hmm. I'd be happy with at, at second or corner and that makes it even more difficult is that you're you're giving up the opportunity cost of somebody that you have more confidence in right now because of Lux's situation again I think I'm just gonna take. The potential L on Lux this year, if I get beaten by by him, it's a bummer. Because like I said, I was in early. I do love the skills, but I'm getting cold feet here as draft season amps up. And I'm comfortable with that, though. I've made that decision that I'm okay possibly losing out. All right, let's talk about the two Rockies, Hampson and McMahon. We already hinted at Hampson a little bit. He's your Tommy Edmond. He had that brilliant finish to the season last year that really... I mean, that's why he costs this much. 174 isn't an egregious cost, but it's gonna it's continuing to trickle up. His min is 157. His max is 211, though. Some drafts are still kind of... Yes, guess who got that 211? Was that you? That was me last night. Really? Yep. Well, that was my next question, was where, where did you get him last night? Because I knew you got him. <laughs> okay, that's nice, dude. That, I like he that. He didn't necessarily fit into my team. Uh, because I had no need for a middle infielder, so he, he plopped into my outfield, uh, and I didn't really need the speed either. But like I saw him at two eleven, I'm like, yeah, this just feels too low. No, I agree. I agree with that. So um, he he and McMahon, Hampson and McMahon, uh, you know, we've been kind of dealing with them for a couple years here with regards to what Colorado does. We know that they're clowns. Usually, looks like McMahon has the commitment. He is mm-hmm. locked in. He's gonna uh, play. Yeah, they're they're playing him. Whether he bounces between first and second, or just holds second more or less every day, with the occasional off day against a lefty, perhaps he's in. Hampson isn't necessarily, but the outfield is an avenue for him that has Sam Hilliard, who's unproven but interesting. David Dahl consistently hurt. Charlie Blackman, who's obviously playing every single day, his body will allow, but he has thirty four now too. So mm-hmm. even that offers a little bit of of, of potential worry. So. You like Hampson. We know that. I don't know that we necessarily... All I'm going to do, I'm not even going to ask any questions about him because we don't have to go too deep. Just give me a projection. What What are you thinking on, on the numbers for Garrett Hampson? Oh, that... <laughs> such a... Uh, uh, it's such a crapshoot. Uh, I'm going to say... Uh, let's Here, do... Th- let me make it easier for you. 450 plate appearances. 450 plate appearances. Uh... 1327. Uh, that would slap. Oh, that would slap, dude. Are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, I just, I, that, and it's, I mean, that is, it's lofty, I know, but like, I, I mean, I look at some of the projection systems and I'm like, oh man, uh, you know, they're all over the place too. Like, still yes. believe the bat does not. Like, Derek Cardi is not walking away with Garrett Amson. Uh, at Tout Wars, he, you know, 5'11", 267. Well, not, uh, only one believes in playing time, too, and it's Zips at 5'13". Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, I mean, yeah, 9'28 is what they have him at. So, I think I'm closer to Zips. Maybe that's, I Yeah, need, that's your closest. Maybe I need to bring it back down a little bit uh, and, and say, yeah, okay, maybe, it, maybe it's 10'25 and that, you know, 270 type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that's probably where I should be. But I do. I I I, I think the ceiling is the limit for this kid, and uh, he just needs the opportunity. And uh, the problem many, is the the Rockies. I mean, the yeah. Rockies are just getting in his way. How many shares do you have so far? Ooh, that's a good question. I just pulled up my shares page over on NFBC. Uh, I have two shares out of uh, the five leagues I finished okay. drafting on NFBC. Um, and I know I think I have them in BARF as well. Uh, so yeah, Maybe I mean, capped. Maybe maybe leave it at that. <laughs> but I, I mean, I have the same amount of shares of Ryan McMahon. Like, I believe in Ryan yeah, McMahon. Yeah, so let's talk McMahon. Because here's the interesting thing about McMahon. Dude actually doesn't really maximize his home starts. Like he's got the home road issue uh, with a big platoon split, but only an 863 at home. If he amps that up, even with the 680 on the road, which we don't like, obviously the 680 OPS. But if he's if he's hit more in the 900s, pushing a thousand at home, that could be incredible. But he only had an 863, which I know that that's good on its own. But in Coors, you're hoping for more. So, what do we see here in a second full season from Ryan McMahon after last year's like solid year, but not not over the top. 24 homers, 83 ribbies, 5 steals, 250 average, 70, 70 runs. What do you think McMahon can do this year with the leash off and, and him knowing, hey, I'm locked and loaded. If I perform, I get to play. I think this is Max Muncy light. I, th I think we're talking about a guy who is – you're probably like a 255, 260 batting average, but I think there's 30 home runs coming, uh, multi-position eligible, some pretty decent counting stats, uh, hitting you know middle-ish of that Rockies lineup. It's a good uh, yeah, I I am on board the hype train. I was very I was very upset at Vlad Sedler when he he sniped <laughs> him from me uh, last night, uh, and Garrett Hampson was my my uh, uh, fallback. Yeah. Uh, consolation prize so uh the fact that uh, yes it, it's it's not good that he strikes out at a 30 percent clip but the fact that he walks at a double digit uh percent clip definitely helps uh kind of soften that a little bit for the rockies in general um yeah i'm i'm on board i like it i and i like obviously the name you invoked there and i i, I get it too I, I see what you're talking about and frankly the average could go up again he does have colorado there mm -hmm. if he can just if he can fully maximize his home starts and mcmahon can maybe figure a little something out on the road I, again just, i don't expect him to get the ball off the ground a little bit i mean yes over 50 percent ground ball percentage uh but i mean i think that yeah the fact that they gave him the vote of confidence as they did makes me feel much more comfortable taking McMahon than taking Garrett Hampson. Yep. Yep. That's where I'm at too. So I, I'm, I will definitely have McMahon shares. In fact, I think I already have one. Um, and um, we'll see how Hampson fits, but I mentioned I like Edmund and I think it's kind of an either or situation with those two. Let's talk Kevin Newman. I think we've actually hinted at him a bit here and there during the off season, just in different things. Uh, maybe at shortstop too, because he was, he was definitely on that episode. As, um, you know, kind of a sneaky, solid guy. And I talked about at first base with Josh Bell that at least the top half of the order, the bottom half is ugly. We, we highlighted that and how crappy that is. But the top half of their order for a bottom feeding team isn't horrific. Newman, Reynolds, Frazier, Bell, Polanco. Solid five. Really dies off there. Please don't ask me who the other three are because I can't <laughs> name them. They're not real players. <laughs> but Kevin Newman leading off. 
He went 12-16 last year in 531 plate appearances. If he does lead off and pushes that, you know, 650 plus, can he go 15-20 for Kevin Newman? Uh, I don't know that he can. I I, I was kind of psyched on him coming into the offseason. Um, I think we're what we're looking at is closer to a repeat of last year, which is fine. Uh, sure. I, I just don't know that it's anything that special, and I really worry about what the counting stats are going to be around him with that team. Uh, are you saying we could see a repeat, but like in more volume, which would make the counting stats look worse? Because if you do, you know, if you get 600 plate appearances, which would be 70 more, and you still only go mm-hmm. 64 ribbies, 61 runs, yeah. you're like, ah, oh, dang. Yeah, exactly. So okay. um, I I got a few shares early. Those are probably the only shares I'm getting. I will say, he's like basically at market. Because if he does repeat, he was 17th at second base last year. And he's 18th in this list that we're talking about. So you're not overpaying for Kevin Newman. And if you need some middle speed, he's got that. He had 16 stolen bases. I don't see any reason why he can't put up another total somewhere around that this year so that's kevin newman let's get to brandon lau who was cut down by injury last year what is it with brandon's who are off to breakout seasons on my teams brandon lau brandon woodruff (laughs) that got cut short by injury brandon bell oh wait brandon oh dang it oh nuts uh but no i i really liked both and you know they performed very well when they were playing for me but Neither finished the season. 82 games only for, for Brandon Lau. 17 homers, 5 steals. Does, does have a gaudy 35% strikeout rate. That is way too high. So he needed a 377 BABIP to keep his average up at 270. But he strikes the ball well. Um, he's going to play against righties regularly. There's going to still be you know some platooning against lefties because it's Tampa Bay and because I think he struggles against them too. I'm worried about that strikeout rate, but that's really the only thing – that's that that's holding out for me right now in terms of loving Brandon Lau. He didn't strike out that much in the minors. He struck out, but not at 35%. So if he can shave that down to even like 26, 27, I can live with that. Just keep hitting for power and maybe throw on a little speed because he's not, he's not terribly slow. And I think he could actually get double digit stolen bases. So I like Brandon Lau. How do you feel about the 25 uh, year old Tampa Bay Ray? Mm, I go back and forth on him. Uh, Is it because of the case? Yeah. I mean, the super high BABIP that influenced that 270 batting average as well. Uh, I mean, his 377 BABIP is obviously coming down. I do think that he's got better patience uh, at the plate than maybe the the seven and a half percent walk rate shows. Yeah, how often uh, do you think like when a BABIP's running high, you lose some of that patience because you're like shit mm-hmm. landing. Every dude. yeah, everything is going through. Like I'm hitting every hole, everything's dropping. Uh, I'm crushing the ball, you know, over the fence. Like why would he be patient? Yeah. So I I think often you know rookies hit that kind of rookie wall, you know, somewhere in the season, and then they have to learn how to readjust. And Lau just never got that opportunity because he got hurt. So obviously there's some regression coming. The question is how much. I I like the projections on him in terms of accuracy. 24-7, 250 batting average. I think there's probably some more uh, uh, power 
in there than maybe uh, they give him. Because, uh, we, we, I mean, he, he smokes the ball when he hits it. Yeah, he uh, does. Brandon Lau crushes, dude. That being said, not a very good defender either. That could pose problems in Tampa uh, if if they start deciding they need to take him out or platoon him just because they want to get a better defender in at second. Uh, I'm I'm probably staying away just because it's Tampa Bay. Uh, I, I've gotten a, a couple best ball shares uh, just because you can take his best work and forget the rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm probably not going to have any other shares rest of the way. Yeah, I'm, I'm already invested in Lau. I understand kind of a general lean away from most of the uh, Rays if you don't want to deal with the headache. This goes back to a point we've been hammering throughout the offseason of knowing your strengths and weaknesses as a fantasy manager. And if you don't want to deal with something like that, then don't take on that added uh, headache. And Tampa Bay Ray players are that added headache outside of a couple. Like Austin Meadows, you should feel confident, is going to play every day. Um that's it. I mean, Adamus, I guess. I think Renfro's going to play. Renfro's going to play most, yeah, pretty yeah. pretty confidently there. But then everybody else, you know, could absolutely. Like, I would have said Kiermaier before Margot got there or until he got hurt. But uh, even now he, so, you know, I get that. I get that with Lau. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking like 25, 10, 250 at this point in the draft works for me with the upside for perhaps a bit more at, at pick. Yeah, I think, I think, I don't think that is unreasonable. And I think as with uh, Edmund, you had Hampson with Lau. I think you have somebody else in mind. That's why you don't really want to gain shares too. You mm-hmm. in Tampa Bay thing. I'm not saying that you were wrong on that, but you love Colton Wong who is they next do. and he went 11, 24. So he flips it. He's more of the speed guy with batting average too. And again, we'll hammer home something that you like to do is punt batting average getting a late batting average asset like Wong, who's hit 285 two of the last three years, could be perfect for you. So talk to us about Colton Wong and your excitement surrounding his profile after a nice little breakout year um, with the uh, counting categories, 11 and 24 on the homers and steals. Is there is there more here? Is it just more of the same, which would work? How do you feel about Wong? Yeah, honestly, I think it's kind of probably more of the same. Uh, I think it's double-digit home runs, though not not like 15 to 20. We're talking 10 to 15. Uh, more than likely, I think uh, we could be looking at about 20 stolen bases again. The defense makes him so valuable to this organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he is such a good defensive player that I think he's going to be an accumulator at second base, uh, and he's kind of a cheap source of speed if, if you're looking for that late in drafts. And I have gotten a number of shares. I'll continue to do so if I kind of pass up on the kind of the earlier second base options. Then I just wait for Colton Wong. Yep. I, I got no problems with that. Wong is a nice, uh, nice MI fit, especially if you did wait on speed and you're kind of scrambling because he's not just speed only. Mm-hmm. Get you 25 plus stolen bases while also giving you a little something else, whether it's the uh, the little little dose of power, but also the big batting average. So I like Colton Wong there. I think his price is, is fair as well. Michael Chavis, we already discussed. Listen to first base if you wanted more of a deep dive on him. Nick Madrigal. All reports suggest that Lurie Garcia is just placeholding for Madrigal for a couple weeks with for the sure. White Sox. At second base, and you agree with that. Okay, so let's mm-hmm. then focus on Madrigal and what he can do. He is similar to the other guy here, uh, Luis Arise, in that he is absolute contact off the charts, like insane 
contact numbers for Nick Madrigal with what he's able to do um, and some speed to go with it. He stole, let's see, he stole 18, oh no, excuse me, excuse, whoa, 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 31, uh, 35 stolen bases last year. I didn't realize that he had a triple level season. So he stole 17 at high A, 14 at double A, and four at triple A for Nick Madrigal while hitting, uh, well, striking out three, three, and four percent of the time. And walking, by the way, eight, eight, and 10 percent. So, again, it's very much Luis Arise, but with speed. Talk mm-hmm. to us about Nick Madrigal and what he can do in, you know, a five-and-a-half, five-month sample. I mean, the question is, how much can he steal? I, I mean, I don't think he's going to show much power, if any. Uh, I think he's, yeah, probably. I mean, the bat has him for three home runs, and that's probably right. Uh, the question is, he's definitely got speed. Will the organization allow him to steal at the level to kind of utilize it? Uh, kind of wasting him is, if you don't, right? You are, um, but the the White Sox did not steal a lot in the second half. It's true. Uh, as as a team, uh, and it, you know, some people are going to point to well, that's because of you know Tim Anderson, and you know whether you believe it's because he was hurt or whatever. Uh, still, the the team as a whole uh, only stole 19 bases in the second half. It's yeah, the Moncada, second worst in all of baseball. Moncada seems to leave SBs on the table. Like they've got speed, mm-hmm. they just don't they don't maximize it. And so it, that is interesting. But I wonder if maybe a guy like Madrigal, somebody who can get a, an individualized green light, because yeah, I mean, dude can get on base at a crazy clip. All told, it was a 311, 377, 414 line last year with those 35 steals. Now, he was 35 for 48. So, you know, a little bit right there on that cusp, uh, 72, 73%. That's what you need for it to be worthwhile. Um, So in the majors, it might be a little bit tougher. And so he has to be smart about that. But um, let's say he does come up after the two, three-week period. How many stolen bases is Nick Madrigal getting next next year or, or this year? I should say seventeen. Mm, okay, so you're going to go three homers, seventeen steals, a three hundred average. I don't know that I would give him a three hundred average. Oh, I'm not drafting this guy then, dude. Yeah, well, and that's my problem. Is I like I I have a really hard time just writing in three hundred for a guy that's never seen. Uh, a major league pitcher. That's fair. Uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not like a pencil minute, like two fifty, Yeah. Or you two sixty or anything like that. But like, I think two seventy five, two eighty is probably where I would feel comfortable projecting him with, you know, let's just say two home runs and 17 stolen bases. I just don't know that he's that interesting. Uh, Mm -hmm. At least, at least in shall- especially shallower formats, in deeper formats as well, because there's guys going after him that I like better. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pass. Okay, no, I real, I honestly, I don't blame you on that. And as you were t- talking through, because I, I, you know, I, I'm aware of him as a prospect and everything. I'm not uh, in the dark on him, but I haven't really talked about Madrigal too much. As we're talking through it, I'm not buying him either, dude. I don't. There is some upside, but like. Nah, you guys know how I feel about rabbits, and this this is a rabbit here. He's not gonna he's not gonna offer any power. Now, 
Luis Arise, I'm more interested in, despite the fact that he's not as fast. Am I contradicting myself? I don't think so because I think his average is a lot. First off, you said you wouldn't project anybody for 300 that hasn't ever played in majors. He has. He hit 334 in 366 mm-hmm. plate appearances last year. And so um, I think Arise does offer a bit more upside there. It really is average runs uh, that you're getting from him. And the power is is not much. I think at, at best you're looking at uh, 8 to 10 homers. Like that's if things really wow. go well. <laughs> yeah, and the same really with the speed. Well. So he's going to be 23. We talked about him a bit in the outfield. You weren't very much in on him. I am. I like this. I, I still think that an average runs profile, even if I'm only getting two categories here, I'm still in on it, though. It's a good puzzle piece if the, if the team needs are correct for Luis Arise. Uh, here's where I've been grabbing him. I, I've been grabbing him in cut line. He's second base and outfield eligible, which isn't really nice to be able to go back from infield to outfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get a negative uh, for uh, strikeouts. Um, or, well, actually, I think or, it's a negative for, for, for plate appearances. Yeah. Uh, or, no, negative for at-bats, not for plate appearances. Um, and so, and you know, positive, obviously, for hits. Uh, I don't know that I would take him very often in uh in just a standalone league or, or even a, an overall component unless i really need the batting average because i do believe that he's going to hit three something yeah um and, and pretty sure steamer project him to win the al batting title so uh that i mean that has a ton of value especially being multi-position eligible to just kind of give you it's the gallo pillow thing again yep that's a good call. We talked about that at first base. Go back and listen to that if you haven't. Um, it, it, like I said, it's a puzzle piece that that fits perfectly into some teams. If you're already stacked on average and you really need pop, you really can't take Luis Arise, and and that's okay. Uh, just be smart about where you pick him. Um, he's that late um, average flotation device in in the in the ocean of of punting batting average. All right, let's move on to our next group here. Middles with questions. MIs with questions here. They've all got some sort of question mark related to them about what you can expect. So that's why they're going down here. I brought Rugnet Odor down here. He, his ADP is actually a little bit higher. It's above Chavis. Uh, he's at 225. But then we jump down to Starlin Castro, 283. Cesar Hernandez, 286. Nico Goodrum, 304. D Gordon, 305. Tommy Lestella, 311. Jose Peraza, 316. Jonathan Scope, 319. uh, David Fletcher, 343. Luis Urias, 349. And Jerickson Profar. Did I include? Yeah, I included Profar here at 351. So a pretty vast range of players here with different skill sets. I brought Odor down to the questions because while he is going in that tier above, I just don't trust this guy at all. He's just not a good hitter. But... um, I get that even when things don't go well, like last year, he still goes 30-11 with 93 mm-hmm. ribbies. I can't deny the performance there. So what if you did like a rise Odor combo? Yeah. And just saw uh, them as like a dynamic duo. Yeah, I have no problem doing that. I love Odor. I just I know you I do. Mean, That's why I give you a platform here to speak about him. Go ahead. Yeah, because I mean you what you see is like um, if you can see a mix between well it's what we saw in 2016 is the bad was up uh you know he was really striking the ball hard uh 
Uh, and, you know, he, he popped that 270 average with 33 home runs and 14 stolen bases. That is in the cards. Now, you obviously have to plan for the, you know, the bottom end of it, which is, you know, 204, 205, which he's had in two of the last three years. Mm-hmm. I think those numbers will come up. And we're looking at a guy who's like probably 230 with 30 home runs in double digits of stolen bases. And I want that on my team. You just got to kind of plan for it. And Arise is one of those guys who can help do that. Here's my question, though. When did the bat- when did the stolen bases dry up? He's a dreadful 56% success rate stealer over his career. He was 11 for 20 last year. He was 12 for 24 the year before. Still only 26, so not old or anything. So maybe his body won't necessarily tell him to. But what if the Rangers say, dude, you suck so bad at this. Stop doing it, please. I mean, there's always that possibility. It's, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I guess the so, risk you have to take, but at, at the position you're getting him at, I don't think it's that much of a risk. But what if he's 220, 28, and four? Yeah, that hurts. <laughs> I mean, that, like, I'm not going to lie. I haven't gotten a lot of shares of Odor this year. I know he's your boy. Like, I know, he has I think been, Eno yeah. likes him too. I think Eno's always liked him. Rougenet, I believe, is what he calls him. <laughs> the hard part is the guys going after him. Like I, we talked about uh, Chavez uh, in the last episode. Uh, you know, we're about to talk about Cesar Hernandez. Like there are guys going behind him. I mean, if if the stolen bases do kind of get disappear, isn't he Jonathan Scope? You get a hundred yeah. picks later. Yeah, with with a worse batting average floor though too. Mm-hmm. Like, Scope's not a batting average stud by any stretch of the imagination, yeah. but he hasn't been down in the two hundreds like that. Like his low is two thirty three, and he bounced right back to two fifty six last year for uh, for scope. So I hear you on that. Uh, Odor's just never been my cup of tea, so I, I don't really take him. But again, I can't deny that that thirty and eleven last year, especially if you planned around it, if you had the batting average protection, then he really did help you. He was fifteenth on the player radar at second base last year, so credit where it's due. He's twenty six. We've seen quality before. That's another one I'm willing to lose on, meaning anyone else can take them. And if it pops, congrats, and I'll, I'll, I'll get my performance elsewhere. Let's talk Starlin Castro. He's going to move over to Washington. Had a brilliant close to the season. He was really one of the best players in baseball over the last three months of the season, not just the second half starting with the All-Star break, but if you do the cut starting on July 1st, he really took off from that point on. Starlin Castro closed with a 313, 344, 565 line with 17 homers, uh, 53 ribbies, and 46 runs in the final 80 games of the season. So I don't have to tell you what that pace is out to. You can just double them all up. That's insane. Obviously, that's not who he is. But the crazy thing about Starlin Castro, he's still only 30. He's been around Mm -hmm. forever. But he's not some crusty old vet. Um, He's just like a solid, boring vet. But he's going to be 30 years old, moving to Washington. They've got a solid team out there. Um, he should get a lot of playing time. How do you feel about Starlin Castro? Uh, I mean, he's spectacularly unsexy, I guess. Well, um, you had it yeah. right there. Spectacular, yeah, spectacular. spectacular. Yeah, I, I thought you're going for the easy one there. Gee. Yeah, you know me. Never go for the easy one. <laughs> That's not true. Um, I, you know, I think he's going to be fine. I think he's in a really good position at second base in, in Washington and uh, should get a fair amount of playing time. I do worry a little bit about 
uh, the guys that they've brought in that can play second base. Sure. Um, especially if Carter Keyboom does end up becoming an everyday part of this lineup, uh, no then you you've got a lot of guys for that one or two spots over at first. So I'm I'm a little skeptical of that I just haven't been getting him. I there's nothing wrong with him. I think he you know twenty home runs, two eighty batting average, uh, you know some decent runs in RBIs for for where he's going, but. It's just so unspectacular, I end up not going for him. Yeah, that's Don Castro. I totally get that. Um, I used to be a big fan when he first broke in with the power speed. Uh, you know, power wasn't great, but like a little bit of pop with his speed and batting average. Then he really became super bland for a couple of years. But then the last, uh, you know, three years or so, even with last year's rally, though, he still only had a 91 WRC plus. That tells you how bad his first three months were. But 111 and 101 the two years before that. So, yeah, it's just boring as can be for Starlin Castro. But if that's what you need, if you've got a lot of flash and risk early in your team, take a Starlin Castro, stabilize things, or take this next guy who also is pretty dang boring, but I think offers a little bit more of a diverse package of skills in Cesar Hernandez because he does run a bit. He has 19, 17, 15, 19 steals the four years before last year, then just nine but I don't see any reason why that's the new norm with him. I think that that's more of a blip. And as much as I hated virtually everything Cleveland did or didn't do this offseason, this was a move that I thought was really sharp. This is a really quality second baseman to plug in. He should play every day that that his body allows. And, and uh, he's played 155 games three of the last four years. I like a double-double out of Cesar Hernandez with a 275-plus average. What do you think? Uh, and I think it could be more than that. I think it'd be like 10 home runs and, you know, in 15 to 20 stolen bases. That's what a double double uh, is. Double well, digits in both. Yeah. You're just I, saying, I, you're just saying, I, 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 I think, oh, I think sorry. closer to the, sorry, I think closer to 20 stolen bases than 10. That's fair. I, I wasn't, uh, and, and I didn't specify because that when you hear double double, you're just thinking like 10, 10. You're right. I, and I, I agree with you on that. I think, I think. 17 plus SBs as well. Go ahead. Yeah, I the uh, the Indians were sixth in the major leagues last year in terms of uh, uh, team stolen bases. They're not afraid to push it on the base paths. Uh, I think he fits right into that kind of mentality. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a good year for for Cesar Hernandez, and the fact that he is going uh, so low, I think, can be largely attributed to him finding a home kind of later in the. Yep. Uh, in the off season, and people kind of just forgetting about him, uh, and it's been his price has been suppressed ever since. There's there's no other real rationale uh, to why he's going that low. I I, I like Cesar Hernandez a lot. Yep, we're we're in boring, solid, does mm-hmm. a lot of things, and hit, he hit two ninety four in sixteen and seventeen. So there is some batting average upside there too. He's he's I, kind of Colton Wong ish. Like, yes, you know, Colton Wong light. That's a great call. That's a great call, and he should play. Every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nico Goodrum has triple eligibility. Second short outfield for the Tigers. Talk about playing every day. There's no reason that he shouldn't just play uh, as much as he can handle. Now, he did get hurt last year, and that's why he didn't play a full season. I think he played 400 and 472 plate appearances after 492 the year before. He has back-to-back double-doubles. You're not getting a good average with it, 245, 248. So, you know, plan for something in the 240s. But... If he can actually stay healthy, now he is 28. He's kind of a later bloomer. But if he can stay healthy, 
I think you can get 15-15 pretty easily out of Goodrum. Um, and that's that's solid. That's kind of your bargain basement Cesar Hernandez, right? I'm sorry, say that again? Uh, with Goodrum, he's kind of a bargain basement mm-hmm. Cesar Hernandez. And he goes like a round, round and a half later, has triple eligibility too. That's why his price isn't that much different than Hernandez is. But you give up some of the batting average, but you get the same sort of double-double potential with triple eligibility. Yeah, I love the eligibility. I just took him in, uh, I want to say, a best ball and an MEQ. That's a main event qualifier. I mean, the the eligibility is great. I think he uh, has potential for maybe even a few more stolen bases. Uh, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I think he's a double-double guy um, with – I think he could be like 15-15 – yeah, uh, I don't know what the batting average is going to look like. I don't no, think it's going to be great, but on the for Tigers, it doesn't matter, right? right? Yeah. I mean, he's plan, still going to play. And plan for 240 um, and and go from there. You know, get get somebody else to supplement the batting average for Goodrum, but a 15-15 is, is something that I'm, I'm bought he, into. He's the perfect reserve guy because he fills so many positions for you in case of injuries. Exactly. Exactly. This next guy, D. Gordon, um, I'm so out on right now because he has like no playing time. I'm already skeptical of rabbits, but at least when he was at a you know a peak rabbit, you knew that he's playing every day and stealing tons of bases. Yeah. Dude's on the bench right now uh, with nothing guaranteed for D. Gordon. Only has one spot too of eligibility, second base. I'm out. What about you? Yeah, I'm pretty much out. I don't have any shares. I just don't know where he's going to play. The the Mariners appear to be making a real commitment to shed long mm-hmm. at second base. Uh, and J. Wait, no, who, who's their shortstop? Is it Crawford? J.P. Crawford. Okay. I, for some reason, I was thinking it was someone else, but yeah, Craw- yeah so Crawford. And they've already got a bunch of young guys in the outfield, and they're going to be adding more as the season goes on. I just don't know. I mean, I guess he could be technically like Gerard or, well, Rajay Davis esque. Where like he yeah. just came off the bench, or you know, you know, played maybe a couple times a week, um, and racked up stolen bases because he's still fast and he can still steal bases, but uh, he's he's such a sinkhole everywhere else. I just don't know that it's uh, worth it. Yep, I'm out. I'm out. 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 Uh, this next guy, I am in on though. I I, I like the Tommy Lostella experience last year. It, that's another guy who got cut short by injury in the midst of a breakout that was pretty interesting. He's always kind of had really good plate skills, never really turned it into a whole lot. Started to, uh, you know, the ball obviously helped, but also revolutionized his his plate profile. Added 11 points, or excuse me, 10 points of fly ball rate from 18 to 19. Now, it wasn't completely new. He had been in the low to mid 30s of a fly ball rate previously. So it wasn't just completely changing this game, but from 18 to 19, it was a big difference and he struck the ball a lot better he was crushing it didn't strike out for anything um capable walk rate when you consider how little Lestella struck out so he hit 16 homers in just 80 games he had hit 10 in his career to that point in um in like 400 games so it was a massive breakout for the 30 year old cut short by injury but he's gonna come back this year he's gonna play i think he could lead off a decent bit on a solid LA lineup too, ahead of um, you know Trout, Otani, Rendon. I'm here for Listella. I don't get why he's this cheap. I real, I really don't. I think part of it is the projection systems have no idea what to do with him. 
That's like, fair because it's such an outlier season last year. And it was cut short. Like it, we mm-hmm. don't even have, we didn't even get a full season's worth of numbers uh, at the end of it because of the injury. And so, I mean, we have 89 played appearance or 89 games played, 124 games played, 105 games played. Uh, and then they don't know what to believe in terms of the power. You know, was the power legit? Was the average? What was like? And I think what was owners, legit? Yeah, I think fantasy owners, they don't know what was in the box. Um, What's in the box? What's in the fantasy box? Uh, I think that is the reason why he's going so low. Um, and I think then you add in uh, uh, Madden being the manager. And you know, he sho- he's shown that he likes uh, Listella. He's mm-hmm. also shown he likes to do a lot of different kooky, crazy things. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I think he's a wild card kind of guy, but I think this is the point where you take the wild cards. He's probably yeah, exactly. going to be a reserve guy for you anyways. If he doesn't work out, you cut him, you move on to the next guy. That's, that's the last capper there is the best point because for all the question marks you have, he cannot hurt you here. Lestella cannot hurt you at pick 311. If it doesn't work out, if it was a stone cold fluke, if he gets hurt again, poof gone off my roster on tax day you know but i don't think it's going to be that i'm actually quite psyched about him and i like him this late so give me some listella shares for sure jose peraza just reminds me i need to go do my taxes oh yeah i know me too it's coming it's coming up before you know it. it'll be here in like just over a month away and it'll be here like that so don't don't sleep on that folks um peraza we briefly discussed him when we were talking about chavis and, and second base and everything you hinted that you like him as a uh you know, as a later guy, because of some of his speed capability, mm-hmm. he did have a you know fourteen homer, twenty something steal season not too long ago. Infield, outfield eligibility in Boston, there should be some playing time for him. I'm not a huge fan, but I understand if somebody is has some interest, especially if they've slept on speed and they need a little bit of late speed. Last year was a washout, absolutely awful season. Can Peraza get back to eighteen? Um, tamped down for playing time. Like he's not going to hit 683 plate appearances again, barring some injuries, but say 400 plate appearances of those numbers. Do you think that that's what you're getting from Peraza? I don't, I I was much higher on him before they re-signed Mitch Moreland to that. Yeah. That's that that crushed him. uh, Because now Chavez is going to play first. Yeah. Yeah. And so now Chavez is going to spend half of his time at second, half his time at first. And, Peraza gets the other, you know, the the lighter side of that half at second. Yeah, so chunk. I just I don't think there's gonna. I mean, obviously playing time can open up, but I just don't know that there is. There, there's so low of a floor. I don't think it warrants the not that great of an upside. So if the uh, if the Moreland signing put the nail like three quarters of the way in the coffin, so it was already going to be d- difficult mm-hmm. to break out. The Pilar signing pushed it that final quarter. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, that's so. an outfielder that they got after trading. Uh, plus Verdugo waiting in the wings, by the way. So mm-hmm. once Verdugo got hurt, you're like, okay, well, Peraza can play there for a little bit. Pilar, bye. So, yeah, I'm out on Peraza. Sounds like you actually are, too. So uh, let's move on from that. Talk about Jonathan Scope, who we hinted at earlier. Uh, does have a little bit of a, you know, Odor-esque profile where you're trading those those chip-in steals for a little bit better batting average stability, Right. I think that's kind of the easiest way to say it. Playing time should mm-hmm. be there for days with Detroit. I don't know. There's a whole lot else to say. Um, he bounced back from his 18 with a decent 19 in Minnesota. 
I think he'll be decently solid in Detroit. But 2017 is going to live as his career year. 32-105 with a 293. We're not getting that again. 319 just seems too low. Like, it just doesn't For the pick? Seem... Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I just don't get him going that late. That's, I mean, that's it. That's. I, I mean, I don't think he's spectacular or anything like that. But as a middle in your 15-team uh, leagues, like, that's a perfectly respectable middle. Bingo. Bingo. I took him 286 in a draft champions a while ago, and I, I was fine jumping the ADP because I'm like, even this went, feels cheap. He went 287 last night in, in the Justin Mason League. There you go. Right on. Uh, we are position eligibility sluts over here, so we should love this guy. David Fletcher actually has four spots, short outfield second and third. Now, his fantasy profile is, is a little light. Uh, it's really batting average only, and the fact that there really isn't a spot for him near the top of that lineup means he can't really maximize, uh, you know, his his batting average and OBP at the top of the Angels lineup. So there's not a lot here, but as a reserve who can play literally everywhere um, except for first base, but you can still put him at corner. I don't hate David Fletcher. Um, he is going to be a super util, and they, they've been clear that they're going to get him playing time. In fact, I think he could start a lot of right field games over Goodwin, even against righties until Adele gets up. How do you feel about Fletcher uh, with his quadruple eligibility at, at pick 343? All right, here you go. More you, uh, more games played, or well, let's see, more home runs or more positions played for the Angels <laughs> this season. Because, <laughs> I mean, five last year, second, third, short, left, right field. That's a good one. Six home runs. That's a good one, you son of a bitch. Uh, um, yeah, I don't want David Fletcher. I know he like fills a lot of different positions in an ale only. That makes a lot of sense. I just don't think there's anything else there. Yeah, in a mixed league, it really is hard because like it's just you're, you're, a body. You're getting like seven homers, seven steals, and it's like cool, dude. And you know, some of them are probably going to be via pinch hit when he's on your bench, so you're not even going to get all seven of each. Uh, I don't know. Like I said, I, I love positional flexibility guys and he does have a good batting average. I don't know that I can get super excited for it though. So I, I hear you. I hear you. That there's a reason he's going this late though. Like the market has pr- appropriately priced David Fletcher. Um, I, I like him as a real, real life player though. I think he's a really good player in real life with all that flexibility and quality defense there. Uh, and a decent, you know, three, 35, 340 OBP. Mm-hmm. But anyway, moving on, uh, we have Luis Urias and Jerickson Profar. They have uh, they both have new homes. Urias is with Milwaukee. I believe he's their starting shortstop. Although isn't he's he hurt. hurt? Yeah. Sir. So he's not gonna be starting shortstop. And Profar moved over to San Diego. So what do we think of those two guys? Uh, Urias is likely not gonna start with the team, so I don't think there's outside of NL only, I don't think there's a place you should be drafting him necessarily. Okay. Uh, just, yeah, I just don't. He just started facing live pitching yesterday, or sorry, on on, on Sunday because this is Tuesday in the future. It is the uh, future. Um. So, uh, I yeah, I don't think he's gonna be ready to start the year. So I'm kind of ignoring him. Uh, Profar is interesting. Don't, don't do it. No, he's not. Don't do it. Yeah, no. I mean, the only reason we even talk about Profar, I think, at this point is because of the prospect. I was, I was going to say that verbatim, dude. Like, uh, I'm rooting for him, but from afar. Not yeah. on my damn teams anymore, man. 
Yeah, I just yeah, I, I I'm not I'm not gonna do it again. He had to rally last year to get twenty and nine uh with a god awful two what was it, two oh one two eighteen average three oh one OBP. That's tough, dude. And um and it wasn't even a full rally. He rallied in August, but then went right back in the tank in September, October. So again, even his I, quote unquote good season was 2010, 254. It wasn't yeah. that great. Like it's... The, the only reason that one was good was because it was pos- positional flexibility. So mm-hmm. you could move him around while you were getting that 2010. But yeah, I, I root for Profire. I really do, but not on my, like, I just don't have him on fantasy teams. I, yeah. I want him to succeed and he can be on some, or, you know, maybe he breaks out and we can pick him up off the waivers, but I'm not drafting him. No chance. Mm-hmm. No chance. All right. Uh, the rest, the rundown here, and we'll just go through some that you like and we'll finish up here. Shedlong, Mauricio Dubon, Freddie Galvis, Robinson Cano, Hanser Alberto, Brendan Rogers, Howie Kendrick, David Bodie, Isan Diaz, Adam Frazier, Kike Hernandez, Nicky Lopez, and Chris Taylor. Who do you like? There's a lot of guys that I like. Uh, Shed Long is, uh, like like I kind of mentioned already, the mm-hmm. uh, he's going to be the everyday second baseman. And I want to say Roster Resource had him leading Leading off, off, baby. Which And Shed Long is a dude I, I mean, if you listen to this podcast or any of my other podcasts for a while, you know I'm a big Shed Long fan. Like, uh, and so I was the fact turned on, sorry, I was turned on to him at AFL. Mm-hmm. And I've been a fan since, and so you were probably earlier on him. I, I, he could be your guy, but I joined that train after seeing him at AFL, so I'm rooting for him as well, man. Mm-hmm. And in some formats, he's going to have outfield eligibility as well because uh, he played 16 games in left last year. So okay. uh, I, yeah, I like Shed Long a lot. I think he, you know, it's hard because by the time we get to this point in draft. Typically, my middle is filled, but if it's not, Shed, Shed Long's going to be on my team, uh, and I don't mind putting him on my reserve list either. So, uh, definitely love Shed. I think so. I think I think he could be a double-double guy. Uh, I also think he's got enough pop in that bat where he could hit 20 home runs. Yeah. So I, I think all that's fair. Uh, yeah, no, I, I like Shed Long a lot. Um, Mauricio Dubon, I think, will be steady. I think the fact that he plays in San Francisco really hurts his overall value because uh, of the, the stadium, yeah, the okay. park and the team around him. But just... but but the playing time should help him there, right? Yeah, yeah, Are they going to yeah, play him every should... day? I I can't imagine they would platoon him. Okay, like, they're going to platoon a lot of that team, but it's not going to be him. Okay, so. I like that. Then who else? Uh, else? Robinson Cano, like. I understand he's like ancient. He I is. Know. He is. He is ancient. But we're talking about a guy who's projected right now to hit fourth in a pretty good Mets lineup. Yes, dude. Yes, preach. So twenty plus home runs. I don't think if he's healthy, which is a big if. But if he's not, you drop him. You move on to the next guy. But I think there's still some upside in Robinson Cano's bat. Uh, Hanser Alberto, uh, especially in daily moves league, deep daily moves leagues or DFS. Yeah, against lefties, he just That's crushes. It, um, That's it. That is it. Uh, and I haven't given up on Isan Diaz. No, I, me neither. There's a there's a lot of talent in that bat. I'm, uh, I'm I'm not out on him. He's definitely now that Craig Mish is uh, not in tout NL. Um, <laughs> you can get him. <laughs> I might be able to actually get him. Uh, so he might be kind of a late cheap guy for me there. 
I hinted at that in the first base. Uh, not that he qualifies there, but we were talking about their different guys. Isan Diaz is somebody I don't give up on him just because he, he was a disaster last year in his mm-hmm. small sample. Well, you know, decent-ish sample, 201 plate appearances. That's still pretty small in the grand scheme. But a 53 WRC plus makes you think, what are these guys talking about? He crushed in AAA, 132 with 26 homers, 70 ribbies, uh, five steals, but it was actually five for nine. So I wouldn't even, don't plan for anything like that. But the bat is, there is something in this bat. I agree with you. I'm not giving up on Isan Diaz. He's somebody I like. I kind of like David Bodie too. Um, I know Nico Horner's there. And so it's it's tough to know what, where they're going to go at second base right now. But Bodie can also bounce around. He could end up being maybe their super util. Uh, they signed him to a deal. Now it's not some, you know, gaudy deal that says we have to play this. Like it actually is kind of a bench super util type of deal. But I like David Bodie a little bit. Um, the guys you mentioned are are interesting as well. I, I share your opinions on those, except for Dubon. Although you actually kind of tamped down Dubon hype, so I agree with you there. Um, and then you know, if Lux does go down the benefactor of Taylor or Kike Hernandez, any Dodger mm-hmm. you can get, especially as a reserve, um, I'd be interested in. One last guy I'll ask you about. We'll, we'll close with this guy because he was part of Fabapalooza last year, mm-hmm. and he was a massive bust. You already know where I'm going. Yeah, Nicky Lopez, What people paid through the roof on this guy. And I got to be honest, I got caught up in it. I put some big bids. I didn't get them, but I got caught up in it because I didn't really know about him. Uh, I just was kind of following the leader. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I was a total follower on that one. But I was looking at his AAA numbers. He was like walking 5x more than he was striking out, hitting 353. Big speed guy. And boy, was he a massive flop when he came up. He Isan Diaz, but for 402 plate appearances. Uh, what do you think of the 25 year old Nicky Lopez now with his second season in, in KC? It's a really good question because the speed is definitely there. Like we, we saw the speed uh, when he was playing and it appears that they are going to give him full run at second base. Because mm-hmm, uh, Merrifield's going to the outfield for those mm-hmm. that don't remember that. So, that being said, everything else looked absolutely atrocious last year. <laughs> I mean, so bad, dude. we are talking about an exit velocity in the fourth percentile, the hard hit percentage in the second percentile, uh, ex woba in the zero percentile. That oh, isn't technically possible. That's come on, like, come on, you're lying. You're making stuff slugging up. in the first percentile, like like there is n- not much other than his speed and his strikeout rate that make you feel he can. Uh, be any sort of contributor uh, but speed isn't you know is a valuable commodity in fantasy and I think he he plays good enough defense that he should play every day and I don't see anybody really on the Royals I mean unless they're gonna move I guess they could move Whit Merrifield back, back to in. second and then put Brett Phillips at center they, they, they could like maybe um, but right now, it looks like they're going to give Nicky Lopez a real run at it. Would you roster him on your reserves and mixers? Or are you really just going AL and draft champions only? Yeah, I took him in a draft champions league, but that's, I think, only spot I'm going to be willing to do it. Okay. Okay. I just wanted to bring him back up because, like I said, he got a lot of hype last year. And uh, this was one where the prospect folks kind of led me astray because I didn't really know about him. Well, actually, no, they didn't because I didn't. People were bidding even crazier on him. So. 
thankfully I didn't get stuck with the Nikki Lopez experience, but uh, that was that was rough. That was absolutely rough. So all in all, and I'll you know what I'll give him a little credit on this one. I think he's still overstating it greatly. Brad Brad Johnson seems to think that shortstop is better, uh, or second base is better than shortstop. I think that's an insane take. But the idea that shortstop a second base isn't a complete and utter wasteland, I will agree with him on that. How about that? I think it's deeper than maybe we initially thought, but yeah, no, then I don't most think people it's... are giving it credit for. Yeah, yeah, I think there's a lot of names. Like, do you really want to be starting Hanser Alberto or no. uh, Howie Kendrick or no? But Adam we had a lot Frazier. of names before that. That I I don't think I realized even the depth of the of the couple tiers ahead of that. Like um, even the MI with questions, we had guys in there that we really liked. Mm-hmm to really put in our middle. And I don't even know that I thought we were getting that deep at second base. So I will, maybe I'll speak for myself then. Maybe you already knew this. It's deeper than I thought it was going to be. I mean, part of the issue is there's so many of those guys that are eligible at other positions. And so uh, just because, just because we see them on the list doesn't mean they will be available when we're ready to take a second baseman. Counterpoint. Aren't they best deployed at second base? They are, but other people might be deploying them at shortstop, which means we don't get them. So there's less available for us to pick because other people could be using them in other places. Good point. I mean, we Uh, have almost an entire tier. The core studs, only what one of only Hira is single eligible at second base. And really, in the first two tiers, there's only three guys uh, eligible at at just second base. And so if like other people are grabbing them because they're going to employ them in other positions or because they like the eligibility too, it can dry up very, very quickly. No, that, that's a good, that's a good call out. Um, so yeah, just be careful there. And I'm still going to be careful. I'm not changing my strategy. I still want to get one of the studs up front mm-hmm. that I like and, and not mess around and then play in that deeper pool for the MI. But I don't want my starting second baseman to be Luis Arise, no matter how much I've hyped him up. He can't mm. be my starter there. No. You know, he's got to be middle slash even a reserve in like a 12-teamer for sure. So, all right, man. Well, we got through two more positions. We will have catcher and reliever. They could have maybe be one episode, to be honest. We might do both of them on Thursday in one single episode. But we'll talk about that going forward. Until then, I'll talk to you later. Take it easy.